Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. All right, welcome to another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. This is your host, again, Nevin Gorky, known as D-Fib in the gloom to his F3 mates. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Troy Klinger, a.k.a. Dial-Up. Dial-Up, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good today. Yeah, this is our second one we're recording today. I'm just going to be and give you, what's this going behind the fourth barrier or whatever it's called in the movie? So, um, he's still feeling good. I'm still feeling good. I always feel good. <laughs> he does always feel I'm good. I'm a positive guy. Cups always half full. Absolutely. When, absolutely. It, comes to, when it comes to dial-up. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, we're, we're going to have another great guest for you all to, to listen to today to tell his story. Uh, this is Jeff Brandt, Coach Jeff Brandt. Uh, he was born in Chocolate Town, Hershey, Pennsylvania, graduated from high school in 1973, went on to Bloomsburg University where he graduated in 1978. He ran track and cross country for both. He's still a recreational runner. Uh, Jeff has taught in the Danville School District for 35 years, teaches mathematics, and he's coached track for 41 years, and he just finished his 44th year of coaching cross country at the same school. He's joined uh, in his efforts by his wife, Melissa, who's been his assistant coach in cross country for 37 years. Jeff still runs recreationally. Uh, I know because he, he lives nearby me, and I see him out there sometimes running, um, usually passing me, uh, along with his family. And uh, he's got, uh, speaking of his family, he's got three children, one grandchild, and uh, uh, an effort of full disclosure, uh, Jeff and, and Dial-Up and I, we all go to the same church. That's the First Baptist Church in Danville, Pennsylvania. And uh, I know Jeff, he didn't put this on his bio, but he's been teaching an adult Sunday school class for a number of years. And he also coaches in the Special Olympics in long-distance running and track. So, uh, Dial-Up, I know you've been looking forward to this because you know Jeff pretty well. Your kids uh, were athletes who were coached by Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I've got uh, two kids, both of which have come through the Danville Cross Country and Track and Field program. My daughter was uh, uh, a runner with him for four years, and she got to experience the coaching of Jeff Brandt in uh, both cross country and track and field. So she, she, she got like doubly blessed with Jeff Brandt here. And then uh, my son had him for uh, four years of actually no I guess three years three. of cross country because uh, my son went rogue one year and played soccer soccer yeah and then uh, he saw the light I think <laughs> as you told him right he saw the light and he came back for his senior <laughs> year and ran cross country again got him uh, helped get the team back to states which was which was pretty cool this year for sure yeah it was good having Evan back and he uh, matured nicely from his sophomore year to a senior year which boys take longer to mature. Yes, that, they usually do. Yeah, that is definitely true. <laughs> My definitely wife is true. still waiting for me to mature completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Jeff, um, you grew up in Hershey. What was it like growing up there? What was your family life like? Oh, I, I had two older brothers. Uh, my one brother played football and ran track. He was a sprinter. So, you know, it, it's questionable whether he was a true track athlete. <laughs> uh, my other brother was a wrestler and ran cross country, get in shape for wrestling. So when I was in eighth grade, he was a 10th grader. I asked the coach if I could train with them, even though they didn't have middle school cross country or back then it was junior high. And the coach said, of course. And I, I always knew I wanted to be a runner. Even when I was little, I just had that very strong interest in running. Um, so we were in a sports family. My dad was a basketball coach before he became a guidance counselor and a principal. 
And uh, I played basketball for up to 10th grade, but they didn't have the three-point shot, and I'm five foot eight, so I, I realized <laughs> that basketball was not going to be uh, a sport that I was going to play much. And track and cross country I was a little better at, plus everybody gets to run, so that's nice. Yeah, everybody gets to run. I, uh, you know, As a parent, a lot of you probably experienced your child be involved in a team sport where he or she may have been cut from a team or they're on the team and they don't get much playing time and it's very frustrating. Uh, I coached a little bit of basketball early on. That's the sport I played in school, but I became a soccer coach someday. Maybe we'll tell that story, but I became a soccer coach and I've coached soccer for I don't even know how many years. Um, but And also having a son and a daughter going through uh, playing soccer and being on teams uh, from a coach's perspective and a parent perspective, it could be frustrating at times when your your child's not playing. Uh, parents would come up to me as coaches, and now I've got to explain things, you know, that kind of thing. Track and cross country, there's no subjectivity to it. No, it's it's a it's very nice in that everybody competes every meet. Cross country districts, you got to uh, uh, declare seven runners, but that's the only meet. And by then, people know who the top seven runners are. So I, as a coach, I don't have a lot of criticism from the parents in terms of who I'm playing, maybe sometimes in terms of how I coach them in terms of training or uh, maybe disciplining them, but even those are far and few between. So coaching cross-country, swimming, wrestling, I think is so much easier than basketball, soccer, football. I, I think those sports are hard to coach because of being so subjective. Yeah, yeah, there, it does have its challenges. Yeah. But uh, so um, that's interesting to me. You knew wanted to, you knew you wanted to run even at a young age. Yeah, I remember when I was five years old, we went to West Point because my dad was a guidance counselor, so he would go to these different colleges to look around, and they had an indoor track. And I can remember saying I wanted to run a lap of the indoor track. So then, whenever we went to visit a college. We always had to go run a lap of the track. So, yeah, I, I, I from the get-go, I just knew that I, I liked running, and I was pretty good at it as a little kid, and um, I just knew that I wanted to be a runner. Were you timing yourself that early? And No, we didn't have stopwatches back then. Oh, that's you know, right. That's right. We were using a sundial or the sand and the hourglass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah, Troy likes to tease me for my lack of technology skills and so forth. <laughs> Uh, but as I keep saying to people, the Africans don't have all this fancy equipment and they're the best distance runners in the world. So, you know, so, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't time myself back then. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. We got to talk a little bit more about technology and, and even when it comes to footwear and things like that. I'm sure a lot of people that tune in. So we get a lot of F3 men that listen to us. Well, we hope we will. And uh, anyway, uh, the tens of people that are going to listen to us. But uh, but obviously fitness is the first F, you know, fitness and running is a big part of that. And so guys are going to be like really interested in uh, hearing your perspective on, on these kinds of things. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but well, so when you were, let me just ask him just when, when you were young, you're running, was it always distance or did you like sprint? Well, I started, everybody starts as a sprinter back, especially <laughs> back in the sixties and seventies. Cause we did have then junior high track, not junior high cross country. And I was in seventh and eighth grade in class C we had classes by weight. So in our league, Class C was 100 pounds and under, and I weighed, I think, 90 pounds when I was in seventh grade. So anyway, the longest race was the 75-yard dash, 
and we ran the 440-yard relay where each person ran 110 yards, which is 100 meters now, and I long jump, and I, I was pretty fast, you know, believe it or not, even though I then became a distance runner, so I always get a kick out of these cross-country runners running to be sprinters, and I think, no, 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 your forte is running distance, that's what you should do, but I, I was half decent sprint-wise, yeah. Do you have a question for him, Dial? Yeah, he wants to ask about his son. His son keeps thinking he can run the hundred meter dash. And, <laughs> he and, thinks that and, he was, and, al- and he I was, laugh at when he tells me. Yeah, that. he was allowed to do it one time last year, and uh, it was sad. He might have made the girls' varsity team, possibly. <laughs> yeah, he would not have placed that. He, he still claims he's got yeah. a pretty. He had a yeah, pretty yeah, strong yeah, head. Yeah, win, yeah. He, uh, but he's living. He he lives in a fantasy <laughs> world like a lot of people. Can't yeah, wait, can't wait till he listens to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got. I just got to stick up for Pong. So I coach Pong in soccer. For, oh, Pong's for, his name. Pong's yeah, is that's his. Oh, there that's we his F3 name. Oh, right? okay. Pong. Where's yeah. Ping? Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> it was named after the old video game Pong. So, but he also Pong. likes to play no ping, ping Pong. So, huh? it yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I well, I have to stick up for Pong because he's very competitive, mm-hmm. and and he he probably would work really hard at it if he had to 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 at least make the girls' varsity team. So. <laughs> I'm sticking up for you, Pong. I think where I was going to go earlier, I was gonna, when you were talking about how times have changed, I don't want to get us there too quickly, but technology and how that's advanced. I was going to just say one thing you do not want to have happen is you do not want Coach Brant here to find you with AirPods in your oh. in your ears. He's he's anti listening to music during a workout. Got to get much to so. know yourself. Yeah. He wants you to hear your deep yeah, breathing yeah, yeah. and he, grunting you, you and groaning. You need to learn how to think. Yes, I, I'm completely on board with that because yeah. uh, before I got involved with F3 and I would go for a run, my wife, she's, she's had some injuries lately, so she hasn't been running. But her and then some of my family members would run and they would listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm doing a podcast, but I didn't listen to podcasts mm-hmm. then. And I made a, a semi joke and I said, I don't listen to that stuff. I, I have brain casts. Yeah, right. In other yeah. words, I think. Yeah, I, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah and not yeah. only that, but I would pray. Yeah, you know, for I go sure. Forward, it was a good opportunity to pray. Correct. Because, because I'm struggling and suffering and, you know, I, you know. Yeah. But, but you start praying. And what's interesting, what I found was I start praying. Next thing I know, a half a mile has gone by mm-hmm. and I didn't even, you know, think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, So, um, but anyway, yeah, I just brought that up. Uh, uh, old memory, not too old, but old memory of mine that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't listen to any music or any of that yeah. stuff. So I'm right on board with you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think I've been thrown off by the watch, too, you know. So we the got these watch, watches the now. The watch can make you go crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, now I'm yeah. looking at the watch and yeah, seeing yeah, what my times yeah, yeah. are. It's, and, I think it's okay to look at after the workout yeah but during the workout unless you're definitely doing a speed workout where you want to hit certain times and so forth and even back in again the 70s we had handheld stopwatches that you would hold in your hand or whatever there i'm all for it yeah when i'm out doing a distance run i'm just to cover miles and build up my endurance to be saying oh i, I gotta run well now it's nine minute mile pace but let's go to rory lieberman or evan Klinger to say oh i got to be running 630s and right you know you get to 635 and you get all uptight about it that's that's kind of silly you got to let your body your body knows how to handle it better than the watch yeah amen amen to that yeah so um we we got coach brand on the show and this is high impact man broad broad uh, podcast so he is a high impact man because of the effect uh, the influence that he's had on young people throughout the years. 
But before we talk about that, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about your success as a coach. Um, and, and I think it's important. I know that you won't share your record with us uh, because you're a humble guy. But uh, the truth is, if you do things the right way, and I'll let you describe that, um, you, you get results. And for me, when I was coaching, my, my uh, focus was trying to get my players to, to focus on the effort and don't worry about the outcome. We, we want to play hard to win, but we want to focus on the effort, both in training and, and all that stuff. And if we give our best effort, that's a success. Turns out when you do that and do other things the right way, the relationships and stuff like that. Um, I told you I was going to let you describe it, and here I am describing it. But anyway, <laughs> it somehow turns out into success on the scoreboard and stuff like that. But dial-up just happens to know some stuff about your record here. Yeah, and I know you're too humble. You would not mention these things, but I think it's, it is worth mentioning. Um, the legacy that you've, that you've created and the culture that you've created um, here in, in Danville. And so you know, since you started your coaching career, um, I can note here with a little little help of stat keeping from your son. Yeah, course. my son's and son's um, little yeah obsessed with statistics. And so this this is really only including stats from cross country. So I know there's probably equal number of all of these things on the uh, on the on the track and field side, but uh, just with cross country, thirty three district four championships between the boys and the girls, uh, and that includes two state championships, uh, five state runner up finishes as well. You've actually coached 28 all-state athletes, um, so they earned all-state honors at the uh, state cross-country meet. Uh, that was spread across 18 uh, different runners. Your career win percentage uh, amongst the wait, boys. Wait, do you know what your career win percentage is? No. You're about to know. 89%. <laughs> That's pretty nice. Just shy of 90%, yeah. 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 And it, it, might be, it might be really close to 90% because uh, I don't think these stats include the last two years, and, and those have been pretty good years. Uh, so that would get you pretty close. Um, to go with that, uh, I, I know you're just shy of 600 career wins on the boys' side, and uh, you recently surpassed the 500 career total um, on the girls' side. So, you know, right around 1,100 career uh, dual meet wins during this time. And that includes a 146-meet win streak that uh, kind of ended just a few years ago. Yeah, that, that was partly your daughter's y fault. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was partly my yeah, daughter's yeah. fault. Yeah, but, that but was a bad I, I'm day. not going to tell anybody. No. Okay, but, okay. No, no. So now we've thrown Evan under the bus and, my daughter and now under Elena. The bus. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to basically want to have me there, there was There was a good, there was a good story but at the end. the good end. news, and we're not going to Go tell ahead. who broke that win streak, but the good news is we then came back and beat that team when it counted. That's right. At leagues, districts, and states. That you got it. Yeah. So you got it. the first meet of the season isn't as important as the last meet of the season they ended up state runners up that yeah, year yeah, actually don't after, ever don't after, ever let this after humble the man, streak ended yeah don't ever let this humble man fool you into thinking he's not competitive he's competitive oh yeah i'm very he competitive. Is competitive yeah 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 i'm competitive but we got to keep it in perspective yeah all right because if you don't keep score then why have a meet why have a game yeah so you you want to be competitive but when you win or lose you accept it but like you said before, the effort is what counts. And the process of getting to the win or loss is what counts. You know, the icing on the cake is the competition. The process is, is the most important part. Yeah, uh, amen. So, yeah, so, yeah. So, I am very competitive. And the kids know that. Uh, but at the same time, they know that if we don't win, it's okay. 
Um, as long as they gave their best effort. As long as yeah, effort yeah, was there. yeah. As a matter of fact, you could win. You could win, and I might be upset with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. As a matter of fact, I know that has happened at times. Well, I'll say, you know, that that wasn't real good today, folks. Yeah. And we talk about that. So well, that's that's you know that's an impressive record, and um, one of the things dial us up in the dial up said in the beginning was the culture that you've created. So talk to me a little bit about that. And I don't know if you've ever given uh, intellectual exercise to this, but how would you describe the culture of your program? I've thought a little bit about that, especially since I've been retired from teaching since 2013. You know, more time on your hands and, and so forth. First of all, I don't ever talk about tradition with the kids because every year it's a new group of kids. But I thought about tradition because some people talk about that, and I thought we, quote, have a tradition that comes down from one year, one year's team to the next year's team through their effort and their, through their effort and their actions. And I, I think that's important that I, I give them workouts. We talk about what we expect, but it's the kids that got to buy into it. And if they buy into it, then the next group buys into it. And, and I, I, I put a lot of responsibility on, on veteran runners. We do have captains. Usually they're seniors, but not necessarily always. But even those kids that aren't captains that are juniors and seniors that have been in the program – I expect them to be being leaders and encouraging the younger kids and so forth. And, and especially with girls cross country, sometimes your best athletes are freshmen. Um, but the un- older kids still need to nurture that person. So I think the nurturing from each kid individually is important because I can only nurture so much. My wife can nurture only so much. Uh, so it's got to come from within those kids helping each other. And, and I talk about that at everybody, whether you're the first runner on the team or the 19th runner on the team, everybody's just as important as each other. And, and, and the kids have understood that. I think it's partly the sport too. Uh, I think everybody's working the same effort, whether they're running a 5K, again, a good girl can run it in the 19s or they're running it in 26 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, that's a good answer. So the culture would be one of, again, uh, given the effort and and holding up that tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my experience coaching in high school uh, sports, it was uh, soccer, was high school is different. I had coached club soccer for a lot of years. Club soccer is different because all the kids are basically the same age. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you pick your team. You know, you have tryouts, you pick your, you pick your team. So pretty much everyone on the team is a good player. They're all going to play, that kind of thing. You get into varsity sports in school, now you've got freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. There's a big difference between a senior and a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about talent on the field. I'm just talking about maturity mm-hmm. level. You know, some of them are driving, you yeah. drive to practice and back. You know, you got freshmen who are like wide-eyed, what's going on? And uh, and we could talk a little bit more about the gender differences because I'm sure there are in, in how you relate to the athletes. I know that in in soccer there certainly is a difference um and one of the differences the girls are a little bit more concerned about the relationship than maybe the boys are all the boys are concerned about it too 
Um, but trying to create that team unity is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you have to deal with that. And you, you mentioned how you talk about it and you want the, the new leaders to basically, you know, carry on the tradition of, of what you want the culture to be. Uh, I had va- vast differences between the years that I coached. One was really, really so- strong, high character, senior leadership. And another one, I didn't have that kind of upper class leadership and it made an enormous difference on the team. Do you see that? Um, I, I think you go through web ebbs you go through cycles Mm -hmm. and you know having coached 44 years i've seen some really good leadership and i've seen some questionable leadership i do think you need to always be honest and 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 talk to the kids and not talk at them talk with them let them hear you need to hear them out they need to hear you out and I, i think it's important to correct misbehavior whether it's your senior captain or whether it's your freshmen that's as squirrely as can be yeah. um, but I do think you need to talk to your team and sometimes you bring everybody together and just say hey this is just not working we got to work this out we got to sit down and figure this out mm-hmm. and other times it's where you bring some of your leaders in and say you need to talk to some of your teammates and get this worked out between each other or I'm going to get involved, you know? So I think it's important to be honest with the kids. Uh, I think if you're honest with them, they will be honest with you. Uh, The gender difference, girls are 10 times more emotional than guys. Sure. And, and sometimes you need to say, okay, we, we got to figure this out. We, we can't take this home tonight. We're going to talk about this and get this figured out. I think it's a lot harder. No, I don't think it is. It's 10 times, not 10 times, but it's a lot harder now to coach because of social media and everything because it doesn't leave practice. It goes home with everybody. Um, You know, but I think, again, we're here to help each other become the best runners possible. And if we do that, then we're going to work together, you know, so. Guys sometimes just need a good kick in the pants. Right. You can't kick them in the pants anymore. But, you know, they, they can do some really, really stupid things. Right. Uh, girls don't do as many stupid things. Yeah. So one of the interesting things with, like, cross country and track and field is that it's an individual sport mm-hmm. within a team sport. Right. And uh, I, I know my my observation from, a, you know, kind of the outsider parent, perspective is that you you've always struck a good balance between the two mm-hmm. i think if anything you've I, I think you've taught my kids that it's team first individual accolades second yeah and so what what would you have to to share regarding those kind of two things yeah yeah i i think it's interesting right now in the collegiate level division one northern arizona is a powerhouse. I mm-hmm. think they won nationals the last two years yeah. and was th- second three years ago. And and the coach, I heard an interview with him, and I'm just, I'm definitely not emulating him. One is he's younger than me, so you know, I guess you could emulate somebody younger. But anyway, <laughs> um, but he was saying, he goes, when I recruit a kid, I let them know that if you're coming here to be a number one runner, then you shouldn't be here. This is all team first, and we're going to work together as a team. 
and I don't care what runner you are. And when he said that, I thought, that's what I say to kids. I don't care if you're the first runner, the second runner, the fifth runner, or again, that 19th runner. As long as we're all working together, we'll be good. And for girls, you know, once the first runner is the first runner, they think they should be the first runner all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the second runner says, oh, now boys aren't like this. (laughs) Boys don't care who wins, you know. But girls, they get this like a pecking order. So I'm the third runner. I can't beat Susie Q, my second runner, because mm. she'll get upset yeah, with she'll me. she'll be mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's one of the things I go from get-go, that I don't care who's first, second, third, fourth, fifth runner, and you shouldn't care about that either, because we want the team to do the best it can, and if you're having a great race, not to pass your teammate mm-hmm. isn't good, and for your teammate to be upset that, you got, that she got passed isn't good either. And I think overall they buy into it. I'm sure there's still the pecking order subconsciously, but sometimes I even say to the girl, I, I know you can beat so-and-so and you need to do it tomorrow. And I'll bring the other girl and I'll say, you know, so-and-so is really going to try to beat you tomorrow and that's okay for her to do that because she's been holding back. Uh, and they get it because it's not matter who's who in terms of who's first, second, third. It's the team doing their best. Mm. And if my teammate does really well, then I'm going to run faster anyway. So, yeah, I, I think I think in the long run, um, it's good that some teammates are as good as others. You know, I've had some girls that they were number one runner from the get-go. Mackenzie Jones never got beat by any other Danville runner. That was okay. Everybody knew Mackenzie was going to do that. Yeah, I tried to get she, her to play soccer, by the way. Yeah, well, again, she <laughs> saw the light, you know, and then, and now she's running her sixth year in we, college. We did, we did win a championship her senior year, you know, just so you... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, the kids accepted that, and Mackenzie was humble with it because that's the other thing. You got to make sure your top runners are humble. Yeah. Because if they start coming across thinking, oh, I'm better than that girl or that guy, that's not good either. And and I'll talk to them. I'm going to say, you know, you, you might be number one runner here in Danville, but there's lots of kids somewhere else that could clobber you, you know. And if the guy starts getting a real big ego, I'll say, let's look at some of the top times for girl distance runners. And and they would all be beating you. So don't think you're something special <laughs> right now. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Humility is very important to be successful in athletics. Because if you think you're really, really good, then you're not going to work as hard. Right. You know, so I I think being humble is a a very important quality in an athlete. Mm. So um, talking about qualities, and so you're trying to teach these things involved with the sport of running. Mm -hmm. How much does that carry over, and how much do you think you, you know, how much do you emphasize learning these values, these characteristics, et cetera, that will help them in life. I, I talk about the golden rule. Uh, y- you, you need to treat your teammates like you want to be treated. You know, you know I can't throw in my Christian beliefs, like come right out and say what I'm thinking, but I definitely know that they know that I believe in God and I have a Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh just because of the things that we do and say, and they don't hear me swear. And if I do swear, which sometimes I do, I apologize to the kids. I'll say that was totally wrong on my part. You know, I, I shouldn't be doing that. It's not the way to live and act. Um, and fortunately, 
since 93, 1993, got to get the right century for you young people. Uh, I've been involved with a cross-country camp that is the week before the cross-country season that's held at, was held at um, Penwood Bible Camp in Potter County for 30-plus years. No, about 27 years. And now it's at a, a camp in uh, Susquehanna County lost the uh, rock mountain bible camp and it's an outreach it's a cross-country camp but we do share the christian message with the kids and i definitely don't push it you know that again comes from kids talking to kids the the previous year this is a really good camp to go to and i would say we average 15 kids from Danville every year that go, seven girls, eight guys, 10 guys, five girls. On the average, I would say we have 15 kids that go. Mm -hmm. So they know exactly where I stand because I share my my faith there and so forth. So I think that they know that I expect good behavior because that's why we're here, you know. Uh, And I've I've never had kids question me on that. They've talked to me about it. so I think it's good that kids know who you are as a person. Right. If you as a coach are just a coach, and they know who I am because I brought my children with me my whole life. My granddaughter, they came. My wife coaches with me. So it, it's it's an open book on who Mr. and Mrs. Brand is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure so you, you've you've, you've opened – yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So you've opened your life basically to, to – to these to, to these kids, yeah, yeah, and and so you're more than just a, a sport coach. You know, you become yeah. a mentor. Yeah, I, I think a coach has to be a coach, has to be a teacher, and has to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. I think those three all are intertwined. I don't think you can just be a coach if you if all you're doing is coaching esports. Is that such a thing? It is now. It's an yeah, official, I know. Okay, okay. It's an official club uh, that's, sport that's, in Danville. Let's go with. Let's go with. Let's uh, go with corn. Cornhole. I love though. Um, He's pretty good at cornhole. Ice, ice yeah. tea drinking. Okay. Yeah. We, we see how much iced tea you can drink before you have to pee. Right. All right. Okay. okay. So <laughs> if, if all you do is coach that, yeah, you're not going to be successful. You need to coach the whole person. Right. And and you need to also be there to help them in other aspects of their life. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so um you've coached a lot of athletes and taught a lot of people. I mean, not let's not forget you were a math teacher. What grade did you teach? 7th and 8th grade and, and then I did teach 2 years of high school at the end when uh, that's another story. Okay, okay. Well, okay. We'll, so we'll have another episode for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, they asked me to teach high school for two years, and it was good. It was like, you know, I, I wasn't real happy at the beginning, but once I got there, it was like going to a different beach than you had gone to 33 years earlier. Did you yeah. go from like algebra to calculus or something like no, that? No, no. They were smart enough to realize I had to stay. <laughs> no, they kept it simple for me. Yeah. All right. I taught algebra too. That was good. Yeah. yeah so seventh and eighth grade, that's when they're crazy, right? Yes. Yeah. I love people it. People are insane in middle school. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I really did. He could relate better. I could relate much better. Yeah, I was much better. And the other nice thing about it, though, I, because of being in Danville so long, I still have contacts with people, but 
then I was able to, quote, recruit and talk to kids. Right. And there were certain kids I know would never have run cross country if I hadn't said to them, hey, you should try this sport. And they would look at you like, what are you talking about? So then I would have to explain what cross country was. Right. And so forth. And, and you know, I just off the top of my head, Mindy Enderline, which was on the team that, that won states in 91, she would never have run cross country if I hadn't talked to her in, in, in class. And four or five years ago, her uh, daughter was running for Montrose. She came down and she says, do you remember me? And, and I have a good memory on people. And I said, yes. And she says, do you remember the day you talked to me about running cross country? And I go, yeah, yeah. So that was a real positive being there, you know. Uh, but that's not why I, be- I, I, I became a teacher because I like working with kids. And I became a coach because I like working with kids and I like math so that's why i taught math and like running and that's why i coach you know you are an anathema right so liking math and liking running distance you 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 really are crazy so yeah yeah which is good which which is why you like the middle schoolers that's exactly right yeah yeah Yeah, so i know i know what coach brant does to try to get people to run cross country because he tried really hard to recruit my daughter yeah i did yeah she could have been a good runner well she okay so so for the audience out there when the danville uh, students are in eighth grade. There's a track day, mm-hmm. right? And so this is Coach yeah. They Brandt's. don't do that anymore, which is a that. shame. Yeah, because I left. Oh, right, right, right. But that's okay. So they have a track day where the students can come out. Is it just just eighth graders? Of course. Yeah, just eighth graders come out and they get to do all the different track things. And Coach Brandt gets to recruit and you know and identify <laughs> the the talent. And so my daughter won the mile race. Yeah, and she ran grade. under seven minutes. Yeah, and that, as an eighth grader, what's yeah. your best time in a mile, Fib? Me? Yeah. Well, see, back then we didn't wear watches. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Well, okay, I'll answer that briefly. In basic training, I had to run two miles as fast as I can. I ran it in like 12 minutes. Okay. So. Well, that's pretty good. You would have been under six minutes yeah. for five. So I, mean, I died for one at the end. I mean, yeah. I, I, I totally yeah, yeah, redlined. Yeah, 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 but anyway, yeah. uh, that's a side note. But uh, yeah, so this, so now my daughter Kylie was a soccer player. And yeah. She was a soccer player for a long time. And in fact, I was her club coach. So when it came to school sports, I didn't really care if she ran cross country or not. Um, but Coach Brent actually brought the sign-up sheets to church multiple yeah, times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> to try to get her to sign the up. The deacon right. said I could do that, by the way. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get any deacon in trouble. No, yeah. no, no. You don't yeah, want to yeah. get anybody in trouble. So, see, my daughter says she, she hates running. It's the one thing she's naturally gifted at mm-hmm. athletically. She can run distance like crazy. And mm-hmm. she just, uh, she, even today, she'd re- rather ride the Peloton than go run. But um, but anyway, yeah, that's his hard sell. I was going to get to a question when I mentioned your teaching because you have influenced so many uh, young people. And I would, I guess it's easier to focus on the athletes, although maybe not. Um, have How much contact or awareness do you have about the people that you, you mentioned one athlete uh, uh, today as adults and so forth and did you ever get feedback from them as they enter adulthood? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think again, running is a lot different, and I, I'm not picking on any sport, but some sports, they're not lifetime sports. Running is. Yes. Yeah. And that's a good selling point, and, and I try to emphasize that because I wanted to be a phys ed teacher, but my dad, who was a guidance counselor, says, a phys ed teacher's a dime a dozen. Right. So I, I he said, you're not going to get a job being a phys ed teacher. Yeah. So best I, job in the world, by the way, phys ed teacher. I think there's some other there's some other teaching jobs that are 
pretty nice too, but I'm not going to go there either. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I was going to go to Westchester State, okay? But I, I, I'm not going to be a phys ed teacher, and some people said, eh, their coach isn't as good as you would like. And Bloomsburg sent me some information in a, in a gold yellow envelope, and it was really neat. So I thought, <laughs> I'll contact Bloomsburg. Yeah. And their coach, Ron Puel, could sell ice to Eskimos. He said, come up. You can be, be an elementary teacher, special ed. So I started in elementary ed. And I thought, nah. And I, I was doing pretty well in most of the math courses. So I thought, I'm going to change over and, and go to secondary. Because I was thinking that will give me a better chance to coach. Because I, I knew I wanted to be involved with athletics. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so selling running's easy in some ways because it's a lifelong fitness thing so i've had a lot of kids over the years contact me um again erica sofianic which was on the team that won states in 91 she just contacted me about a year ago through what's that thing called email yeah email email <laughs> email yes. and just wanted to yeah. thank me because she's has been running for 40 years wow you know and and i i find that a bigger win to hear somebody still doing this sport than necessary that they were a state medalist or a district medalist or whatever. So, yeah, yeah hearing back from kids over the years is really neat. And I, I, I have my share, you know, which is cool. And I like keeping in contact with them. Yeah. So, yes. Well, I so now let's to get on to the, uh, the, the nuts and bolts or the coaching of running. So now we, in F3, you know, for the for those in the audience, a lot of these guys again. Hopefully, after you listen to us, they're going to be interested in knowing, like, what is your advice to guys that are going out, and they're going. To, I know you're going to say it depends on what their goals are. So, you know, we there's a lot of F three guys that run a lot. Some guys don't, but just the, the sport of running, um, we've gotten focused on the technology. So there's some saying. I think Dialup posted a meme. Uh, this week says if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. That's right. right? It's not on Strava, it didn't happen. Yeah, so Strava is an so app. I'm joking. See, yeah, I know, I'm I know, joking. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, my wife who 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 was had run several marathons and did very well prior to a back operation and so forth. Now she gets all uptight if she doesn't have her watch yeah. to know how many steps she took. Right. And I say to her, I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, you don't need to know how many steps you took. You know, it's going out and doing the activity. So if I was to give, give advice to running, I think you got to run at least three, four times a week. Okay. You know, I think if you just try to run once or twice a week, that's not going to work. Uh, you know, I just had, believe it or not, a, a partial knee replacement done 10 months ago, and I'm running every other day 40 to 50 minutes. I'm not sure if I'm going to try to run two, three days in a row. I, I just don't know if it can do that. But I, I feel good running every other day. And then the other days I go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Once the weather gets nicer, I'll do some biking. Uh, I was doing the elliptical fair amount, but I found that that's, that that's a good workout. So if I try to do that, then come back and run, do it again. I'm, I'm you know, getting a little bit fatigue. Plus, I'm not as young as I used to be. So I got, I think that's... But I think you got to run at least three, four times a so week. So three, four times a week. I know it kind of depends on what you're training for or whatever, but how far do you focus on the distance? Do you focus on the time? I think time? it's better on time. Time, yeah. And if you want to slowly increase, you increase your time. Because when you start saying, oh, I, I got to run seven miles, or I got to run five miles, you know, again, the time you can judge and you can then 
build up the time, you know. So, you know, build up three, four minutes on every run, you know, but you can't do it forever, you know. But, mm. you know, come up to where you want to get a certain goal and then say, this is what I like to do. Uh, what's his his name? What's his Dial up? Dial. Yeah, dial okay, up. Okay, yeah. dial up knows training. Yeah. What's what's your opinion about distance versus time? I, I think you can e- you could use either. Yeah. Um, but again, we we've actually had some chatter recently in our in our Slack. That's an app that we use for kind of community. What's an app? I'm you know I know I know. Don't don't let him fool you. He's got a Garmin Forerunner on yeah, his yeah, wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because he he realizes it's way better than the uh, old days when we used to like run. And then have to get in our car, car and, find and drive the same stinking yeah, distance, right? True. And depending yeah. on which car you drove, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, you yeah, might yeah. get seven miles or you might get 7.4 miles. Well, I only had one car at a time, so that's yeah. whatever it was. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we, we've had this discussion recently about heart rate and heart rate training zones. Mm. And twice I've, uh, I've said to the guys, I think you really need to focus on the perceived exertion. Yes, yeah, right? I think so too, yeah. Because some days you can be running really fast and it feels easy. Mm-hmm. And you could be running really fast other days, and it, it quite frankly, it's it sucks and yeah, it's really yeah, hard, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm still waiting for the easy one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and some days you could be just running at a slow pace, and it feels really easy. Yeah. And you could be running at a slow pace, and it it feels really hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think you, you just it's really about being in tune with your body and how you're feeling on that on that given day, and then just having that variation depending on what you're training for. If you're just trying to just run. You know, every day can be just an easy day, yeah. you know, and you're just running a certain amount of time, feeling at a comfortable pace. And if you're, you know, if you're trying to train for something more specific, like a race, then, you know, then you get a little more serious and you start putting in the harder workouts mixed in some speed to get faster and those types of things. But to, to me, you know, the important thing is focusing just on the time that you're putting in yeah. and it can equate to miles. You can use, again, you can do it easier either way, but it's really about that, that time or distance and the effort that you put in over that. Yeah. I, I read some articles on heart rate monitors and I think, well, you know, j- just because your heart's saying it's these amount of beats, you might feel really good yeah. and you maybe should go faster because that's the day you're feeling good and you need to do that. And then there's other days you might feel like terrible, like you're saying, and, and you need to go easier, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do think varying your workouts is good. I think running the same pace all the time isn't necessarily good. So, I think any runner, once they get to running three, four times a week and, and can handle that, then they should put in some, what's speed workout? You just go a little faster, you know. But you could start doing some specific training. Or right now with having the knee replacement, I'm finally starting to feel comfortable where I do a hundred yards at a faster pace than I run easy for like a hundred yards, you know, and I'm finding that makes me feel better for then the following time I run because running the same pace all the time, I think your muscles, I don't know. They just get stagnant. I think you got to do some variety and I think you got to do some hill running. And I know some people love running the uh, treadmill. I, I hate it. But I think you need to do variety where you do some hills, you yeah. know, and, and run some courses that aren't just totally flat. You know, I, I think people that just stay on the track all the time, I, I think that gets real monotonous real quick. Shoot me in the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it's good to go out and listen to the birds and the bees and, and 
yeah. and pray and think. Yeah, and one of the things that I've discovered is it doesn't matter what the weather is, I can go running. Oh, all the, I love running in the rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people say, I saw you out running in the snow, and I'm thinking, yeah. And they say, you're crazy, but you get to know nature. You get to know God's world. Yeah, yeah, the, the worse the weather, the sometimes the better the run. Yeah, so in F3, we work out, one of the core principles is the workouts have to be outside. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what That's the weather That's good, is. yeah. And there's a lot of advantages to that. Uh, there's psychological and mental toughness advantages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also, I believe, an immune system advantage when you're working outside. And I can't back that up with any data at the moment. But but I, but I think it's definitely true when you're outside. Now, some people would say it's because you're getting more sunlight. And I guess that's true part of the year. But part of the, half the year here, we're, we're in the dark. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, doing it outside has a huge advantage. And the the workouts we do when the weather's really bad, like when it was negative three, with a wind chill of whatever it was. We had 13 guys out there. Yeah. Like, that's awesome workout. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. the best one. Because you feel like you've really accomplished something yeah. because you overcame the barrier of the weather. Yes. You know, and even a hot day. Now, you got to be smart because hot can literally kill you. Mm-hmm. But doing a workout within reason on a hot day, you feel like, oh, I've accomplished something too. Yeah, so the weather is a factor, again, in being a, an athlete. Uh, and that's again why running I like so much more than, yeah, I guess I like it more than than another sport where you just stay inside the gym all the time. Yeah, you know. Think about your memorable workouts, right? Yeah. How many workouts? Like, if I say, "Hey, name your top five most memorable workouts," is it ever going to be a fifty degree day with just sun shining like normal? Mm-hmm. No, right? Yeah, it's going to be the three degrees with a negative 15 windshield and the, and the snow that was a foot deep. Right. It's going to be the and day. The guys taking their shirts off right. and doing snow angels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be the day that was pouring down rain and you were slopping through puddles yeah, yeah. and mud. You know, it's, it, it's going to be that wicked hot day that you thought you were going to die, but you somehow managed to survive. Yeah. And then you spent, you know, the next hour sitting in an ice bath in yeah. your tub to cool back down. Um, those are the workouts that, that you, that you remember. Yeah. Right. Yeah. which is which is pretty cool. So now to get back to the running and advice for people, I I I know the technology aspect is is a little bit overblown uh, but um you started your running career so to speak in the 60s and early 70s. Correct. The amount of changes to the running shoe. It's astronomical. So what is your opinion on the you know picking a running shoe and and you know But you it's it's interesting to see th- Again, the cycles of running shoes. So when I started running, you basically wore the same shoe except for track. Track, you had a track spike because you ran on cinders. But for cross country, the shoe you ran to practice in was the same you raced in. Mm -hmm. And again, I started running in 67, 68. So were these Converse All-Stars? I had a Converse All-Star type shoe. Were they high tops or low tops? No, they were low tops because they were made for running cross country. So they But no spikes? No no, spikes? No spikes for the cross country. They had a heel and then there was a wedge like almost like a bowling shoe and then a rubber thing. But then Nike came out and on a... It was it's Asics now, but it wasn't called Asics then. They came out with some really light nylon shoes, and you would have thought you were in heaven. Mm-hmm. But now they would be considered almost a racing shoe. They were that light. 
so you had the minimal movement where the shoes were really hardly anything. Right. We were sort of in that phase, but we realized that it was better to go to a better training shoe, and then they started coming out. I I now like the rocker shoe that Hoka has, though I wore Asics, Adidas, Nike. You know, I, I think there's a lot of good shoes out there, you know. Um, I do think the minimal movement wasn't that good. I do think you need some support. You do need some cushioning. Can you go overboard? Yeah. Uh, but I think you got to find a shoe that you feel comfortable with. And yeah. like just to put one pair of shoe on and say, this is what I'm running and you're crazy. You need to go to a running store, try on three or four brands, three or four models and come up with something. And, and you got to look at what your foot's like. Because mm-hmm. some people pronate, they go inside. Some people go more on the outside. Some are heel runners, some are toe runners. But you experiment experiment with shoes and get somebody to help you. You can find a shoe. I think that's comfortable. So let's take it a step further. I want to hear your perspective on kind of the current generation racing shoes. You know, so we've now oh, moved, yeah, they, we moved into the world, you know, $150, $250, the, yeah. the Nike Zoom you know, Alpha Fly, and, and they had the carbon the, fiber, Zoom Fly with carbon fiber yeah, plates, yeah. and the uh, you know ultra lightweight, energy re- uh, returning foams. Yeah, well, are you uh, you know for it, it against it? Well, technology it, you wise? know, I go I go back to again. I I saw the evolution of of high jumping. So high jumping, Dick Fallsbury comes in with the Fallsbury flop where everybody goes over backwards. Yeah. Prior to that, you did the Western roll. Yeah. But why was that? They didn't have the pits that you could land on your back. Yeah. You were landing in sawdust. Right. So up to the 1968 Olympics, which was in Mexico City, you were jumping in sawdust or maybe tires or whatever. You couldn't land on your back. So Fallsbury has these nice foam pits. Some of them even were. Uh, did you ever see the the Cloud Nine where they blew air into a big balloon and you land on this? I'm not. That was maybe before I, your time. I've seen videos. I yeah, think. yeah. But that's why you were able to jump like that. So yeah, if you have shoes that are lighter and give you a little bit more push off and so forth, so be it. You know, everybody can get those. You know. Um, you know, the expense gets to be a little crazy. I'm not going to go buy a fiber shoe because I'm hoping to maybe run eight-minute mile pace again. Yeah. You know, I'm happy with the shoes I have. But I guess an elite runner to get that edge, I, I guess that's good. You know, you know, does it get to be a point where technology is the advantage to winning? I hope not. You know, I, I, I watched the Winter Olympics, and they were talking about the bobsleds and how one country had a, a, a better chance to win than somebody else i'm thinking boy that's kind of sad but you know cross-country skiing i think everybody was at the same place i think everybody will have a shoe that's comparable so i don't think it's going to make that big a difference you know about equal opportunity to have the technology yeah 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 level the playing field yeah yeah maybe everybody should have to wear the same brand of shoe or you know but i think all the shoe companies now have their own fibers yeah they're all coming out yeah i i I, yeah i think dial-up's got a pair of Shoes. I have a pair of carbon yeah. hokas. That's why it's so much faster than us. Yeah. 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 They're, yeah. they're nice. They're nice. Yeah. 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 But again, everybody's going to have that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Nike came out. Uh, 
with shoes that supposedly were better than other shoes in the 70s. And then yeah. Adidas came out with one. And, you know, and the shoe companies are putting money in the shoes for the ki- people to run in because back then everybody was an amateur. So whoever gave you the most money in your shoes is what you wore. And Adidas was getting Olympic medals. Asics was getting Olympic medals. Puma back then. I mean, you know. So I think everybody will stay up with each other. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, um, that's that's really interesting stuff. I, you know, maybe we should just make everybody run barefoot and keep it. Easy. Well, Abiba Bakila did. Abiba Bakila won the '64 marathon barefoot. in in Rome. He was sixty. Boy, I'm getting old. I'm losing track. But anyway, he started with his, his shoes on. It was in Rome, so that was sixty or '64. '64 was Tokyo, so '60 was Rome. And he started wearing, had shoes on and didn't like it. So he ran barefoot and he won the marathon by two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe make everybody wear, but then again, you could get cut easily. Yeah. And I'm not sure if barefoot running, I still think you maybe need support. Maybe if you grew up your whole life being barefoot, but yeah. if you've worn shoes for a while, I'm not sure if running barefoot would be good. No, I'm not going to There's also Zola Bud, right? Zola Budget from, from also, South Africa, yeah. It's worth noting, we'll give a shout-out to Flintstone, right? That oh, came. Flintstone. <laughs> He's a guy from Harrisburg? A Harrisburg area, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. Guy. He showed up. He was visiting up here. Yep. And he came to one of our beatdowns. This was a convergence. So we had in the parking lot of the Buckhorn Mall. Mm-hmm. All right, so this parking lot, for those of you who don't know, looked like uh, a war zone. The craters yeah, yeah. in this parking lot, gravel, hunks of asphalt. And he shows up barefoot because he always he does everything. doesn't matter what the temperature, what weather... And, and, and I, I think I queued that day because we were running. Yeah. We would do some exercise, run. We covered two and a half miles that day, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and he ran it, man. Pebbles, who knows, broken glass. I mean, and he just running through that stuff. Yeah. That's why did, it's called Flintstone, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did the Keystone <laughs> Convergence, I believe, right? Which had an yeah. overnight ruck, and yeah. he did that all barefoot as well. So yeah, It's what so, you get used to. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm going to try it. No, I'm not either. No. I'm not either. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you're all crazy. You know, anybody that runs more than five miles is crazy. Of course I'm doing it now, but Yeah. So I'm crazy too, I guess. But uh, I think it's good to push your body. Yeah. I think that's a uh I think that makes you mentally tough. I also think it's it it's healthy. You know, I think you know, people that don't exercise, one can't do as much, two don't live as long. Right. So to say people that exercise are crazy, I think those that aren't exercising are crazy and I, I, f- I feel bad for them. Yeah. 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 Cause they don't understand, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't really know until you get, you know, somewhat in shape and get fit. What, yeah. what it really feels like in the advantages. And it, of it. Yeah. And it makes you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And mentally, emotionally, you could think more clearly. Yes. All that yeah. stuff. And there's yeah. data to prove that. So just, I'm going to ask you one more question and then I want to get into the Olympics with you. Um, so this question is, I, to preface it, I, told you a couple weeks ago that I had written a book on uh, building culture and coaching soccer and re-editing it. So I'm going to try to publish it myself on Amazon. It's a shameless plug on the High Impact Man podcast for my book, which is untitled at the moment. But anyway, um, in building culture, the one chapter is on building unity. And uh, at F3, this is sort of what happens. You see guys coming together. And, and I said, one of the ways to create unity as as a soccer coach, of course, but do it in any sport, uh, is you bring a group together and put them through something really hard together, mm-hmm. really challenging, 
you know, if you're slogging through the mud and the snow and the rain and the hot temperatures or whatever, and you're doing it together with a group of guys and you're doing this challenging work, it's, it creates these bonds, right? And, and that's sort of what you want to try to do uh, with your teams, right? So do you have like preseason, do you have two weeks or like how much time do you have before your first meet when you get the team together? Well, you work them really hard? Well, we have summer runs. I call them summer fun runs. And your daughter made fun of that one time. Fun runs. Fun runs? Yeah. She didn't like the fact that I called it a fun run. Running in the summer is generally not fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But uh, those workouts aren't mandatory because you can't can't. make them mandatory because it's not the start of the PIAA season. But I strongly encourage them. And we do good workouts. But I'm of the firm belief, and I'm talking about training-wise, you should always leave a practice feeling I could have done a little bit more. I think the only time you go 100% is race time. And I don't think you can do that all the time. Hmm. I think the psyche, the the nerve systems, everything else can only go be taxed so often. And, and running an, a distance race, I mean, it, it's tough. You know, when I was running marathons, I ran some half-decent marathons in my time. There's no way for a month that I could even think of racing again. I, I needed a month off of racing. That didn't mean I wasn't training. So that's 26 miles. So basically a, a day of, quote, recovery for every mile you race. So for the 5K, you know, after, th- you know, you run three miles, you should have three days of of not running super, super hard. That doesn't mean you don't do some speed workout, especially with a high school kid. High school kids can... You can do more intensity with them than a forty-year-old. Right. You know, college can can be a little bit more intense. Um, but I think a lot of people sometimes train too hard. I think they definitely train high school kids too hard. If anything, I think I I'm, I I definitely sway more to be a little bit more conservative, not as tough on them as some people are, you know, I'd rather be cautious. Cautious is the word word I use. Yeah. Yeah. I know in in coaching soccer, we had two kind of two weeks of preseason where we didn't have any games. Mm. And so we could do two a days and we would focus on fitness in the morning and then soccer training. Mm. And and then the evening it's all soccer training, but it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we put them through a a very competitive environment because they're competing for starting Mm -hmm, jobs mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. And so I had created a system that I borrowed from, a soccer coach from North Carolina and uh, and we kept track of things. So you got placed your first, second, third place, whatever in all the different things that we did. And then we posted up there for everybody to see. So it's, it's a, it's a intense, uh, stressful environment that you go through. And, um, and I think when you go through that and, and the reason we have to do that, um, Anson Dorrance was the coach of the women's is the coach of the women's soccer team at North Carolina. He did this because when he went from coaching boys, men to, to women, he found out that the women don't want to fight as hard against each other in practice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so to get them to compete harder, he did this. Yeah. And so that I tried that with the, with the girls soccer team and, uh, and I think it worked, but, uh, uh I'm not sure how much unity w- it brought. Uh, the first year it did, but we had really good senior leadership mm-hmm. that helped glue that together. But, um, you know, in F3, that's something that we try to do. We try to you know, create these difficult workouts, and we do it together, and we're supporting and encouraging one yeah. another. And and that's uh, we build this bonds of fellowship so that when the hard things in life come around, you could support and encourage one right. another. Because most men don't have those close friendships. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and that's a, that's a, an, uh, an epidemic in our society. You get out of school, you kind of lose those really. Oh tight. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when you ran, I know now you're kind of, you know, you're just recovering from the surgery and all that stuff. But when you were really running a lot recreationally and stuff, did you mostly run by yourself? Well, I had the team to run with. So you didn't ran yeah. with your team. Yeah, I yeah. ran with my team. Yeah. Uh, but pretty much I would run by myself. There were sometimes I would run with some people. You know, my brother was a runner. I would sometimes run with him. Um, but, you know, I didn't have, quote, a training partner now. You'd probably run on your own and then run with the team as well. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why yeah. I was so fast. <laughs> yeah. Is that the secret? Can I, do I have to run more miles to get faster? Because I'm not getting any faster. No, you need to run with the cross-country team. I need to run the, with the right. <laughs> I, I think. Well, and you I guys hate, are fast enough. I'm still I, trying I, to catch I, you. I, I, can't I hate keep up to with say them. this. You're not going to get a lot faster because you have a I've thing called age yeah, on your, yeah, on you, yeah. against you. Yeah. It's called over the hill for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Usually yeah. you accelerate. But I should just be happy with where I am. You should be happy with where you are. All right. That's good coaching right there, folks. Hey, can we talk about motivation? I wanted, sure, I wanted yeah. to ask him about motivation. So obviously over all these years and the success that, you, that, the, that the programs had with, uh, you know, a lot of the stats that I reviewed earlier, um, there's been a lot of good motivation along the way. And you probably have some kids you would say they're self-motivated, right? You didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't have to push them. They, they push yeah, themselves. There's some kids that are self-motivated. But, yeah. but I, I think, you know, obviously you've had to have been a good motivator along the way. Uh, for the team and for the kids. And so can you, can you share anything with us as far as tips or tricks or techniques that you use to help motivate uh, and, and encourage the kids and the teams over the years? That's a good question. Cause I've, th- I think the longer I coached, I realized the more important for them to be intrinsically motivated is the most important thing that they want to be good. Mm-hmm. And therefore, at the beginning of the, after our first scrimmage, our first meet, they sit down and they got to write down what are their goals for the season and then what are their team goals for the season and how are they going to reach their individual goals and how are they going to help themselves and their teammates reach the team goals and I think if you can get anybody, but especially high school kids, to understand goal setting and make that a priority, you're going to achieve something a lot more than if you just go out there and, and run and exercise and so forth. So I think talking about goals and how are you going to reach them, and I think you also need to talk about the fact that Sports life is tough. Running's tough. It's mentally and physically challenging. And how are you going to overcome that? Because uh, I think some people don't talk about the fact that I don't like to say it's painful, but I, I guess it is. But the the fatigue factor and how are you going to overcome that? How are you going to challenge yourself? So I think you need to talk about the basics. I think some people don't talk about the basics. And, of course, race strategy is super important because yep. you can have somebody that is more talented than somebody else and they don't have a good race strategy. So we talk about that. So I, I think it's a whole ball of wax, but they got to be motivated to reach their potential because there's a lot of high school kids that are out there that are giving 90%. Mm. 
we, we need you to give 100%. Wow, that's interesting. So you try to create that intrinsic motivation by yeah. having to set goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Purpose, yeah. right? Purpose. You need yeah. a purpose. Yeah, yeah. your purpose-driven life. You need to have a purpose here. Yeah. What is our purpose in life? To serve God. Yeah. How do you serve God to do your best? Yeah. yeah. Colossians 3, 23? Whatever you do, do with all your heart. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Lord. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you, you need to do your best. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's my son's life verse. I love that. Yeah. He chose that. Um, and that's, again, that's the focus that we always had. You know, yeah. the, the effort, which we talked about yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, when I just kind of, I didn't want to save this to the end, but we did. Maybe the most important thing you could talk about is tell us about your, your kids and especially your involvement with Special Olympics. All right. So I have uh, th- three children. Daniela's our oldest. She was born in 89, so she'll be 33 this June, and we adopted Daniela in 1991 from Romania. Uh, I again, Romania at that point had just gotten out of a regime where they had a dictator named Ceausescu, who had lots and lots of orphanages because he was having women have children because he wanted to have as many people as he could to have an army and so forth. Uh, Ceausescu got killed in, I think he got killed in 89 or 90, and it got opened up to be a, a, quote, somewhat free country, and there's all these orphanages with all these orphans, and so therefore uh, my wife and I were watching, and we had gotten married in 89, so I think it was in 90, like six months after we were married or something, and 2020 had a special about the Romanian orphans. And I said, that would be something neat to do. And Melissa said, yeah, that would be. But you say that all the time. So like two or three days later, I said, you know, we should really try to adopt a Romanian orphan. So to make a long story short, we went through the process. We found a facilitator that was in Oregon who was Romanian born. And he was going back to Romania, pretty much back to his hometown area because he knew people. There was an orphanage there. And in 91, we went to Romania to, to adopt Daniela. When we got there and we got to meet her, uh, the U.S. Embassy had to go through and they had to do a physical. And they said, you, you can't adopt this child because she's physically, mentally delayed. Well, we said, well, we still want to adopt her. And, and we went, th- I, I, at this point, that's a long time ago, we went to another doctor. He said, yeah, she could be, but basically... We got the okay. Uh, so Daniela is functions first, second grade, third grade level, but in some ways functions higher. Just depends on what you're looking at. But as a runner, she's really good, and she and we didn't make her run. You know, we wanted her to do sports so she can swim. She can play, well, everybody can play cornhole, but she can do <laughs> lots of different activities. Uh, but she has bought into running, and, and she's a little obsessive-compulsive, which to be a good runner, be a good athlete, you need to be a little obsessive I told you runners were crazy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're a little OCD. Uh, so she runs every day on her own. You know, she'll go out and run on her own. I will run with her and so forth. She ran high school cross-country and track. Um, but then after high school cross-country, 
there's not she didn't go to college special olympics and and she's one of the the better runners in the state of pennsylvania for distance you know 1500 meters basically a mile 5k 10k mm-hmm. uh so that's been a treat then we have christopher christopher's born in 92 he was a very good high school and a, a college runner he was a district champ in the mile his junior year well 1600 meters and he still runs and he lives in the carlisle area then we adopted our youngest daughter emily in 98 we adopted her from uh, the Texas area. She was a sprinter. Uh, could have been a better sprinter than she was at times. She at times told me, she goes, I wish I hadn't been adopted into a running family, which <laughs> it's, it almost pierced my heart. But 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 uh, she she enjoys watching athletics events. And, and she, we went to the Olympic trials a couple of times. She had a great time. And then Araya is her daughter, who's five years old at hopefully will become a runner she likes to run right now uh so yeah and daniella had the honor of carrying the torch into the stadium at the, the 2015 special olympic world games in los yeah. angeles coliseum so where they had that silly nascar race where they ran around that track that was real short uh she ran into that stadium when they still had it as a track yeah and this coming june she's going to be down in disney world for national special olympics down at espn they have a a track down there so she's getting ready for that yeah that's awesome yeah so she's a good kid they're all they're all good kids yeah and you're are you coaching in the special olympics i'm an assistant coach my wife's the head coach which is good so she'll be traveling down with daniela to florida I'm going to drive down myself to watch her run, but I won't have the coaches, you know, lanyard, lanyard in and so forth. So they're think I'm, I'm, I'm just a parent, which is good. Daniela is absolutely amazing with dates and days of the week. Yeah. Yeah. She can tell you, you if you like tell, you can tell her any, any date in history. And she'll be able to tell you like instantly the day of the week that, that if you was, tell her, her tell her when your birthday is. She'll like, tell me the day I was born. The day would, of the week, and yeah. she could tell you what day the, your birthday is going to be this uh, there year. There was a boy in my high school like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's sort yeah. of a, yeah. She loves looking at calendars and she has some type of algorithm. And she's one time tried to explain it to me. And then she goes, she goes, you can't figure it out. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> she's got it down though. It's the great. math teacher can't it. figure out yeah, the yeah, algorithm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, how long have you been coaching or yeah, excuse me, uh, teaching Sunday school? I, I, I lose track. I think like 15 years, maybe 20. Yeah. Yeah. So Fred Hess, Dr. Hess, Fred Hess and I co-teach and it's fun. Yeah. I find adults in some ways are harder than kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I attend coach Brandt's class now. We, we started our own class years ago. I taught for about 20 years. Dial up took over for me for, I don't know how many years. And now I'm coming to your class. So I I can testify that, that, yeah, it's, it's a give and take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, the, te- you, the you, teacher you, gives it to the students just as much as the yeah, students. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then there's times you just think, uh, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 30 minutes of chatter, right, and right, praying yeah. and 10 minutes of class, right? Yeah, and after you like mumble that? chatter, so there's a lot of mumble chatter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there's there's times I think, <laughs> can you just be quiet? Yeah. And uh, But that's okay. It's good. It's good. I like doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. For the record, for all the F3 guys out there, yes, we've been trying to EH Coaster Brandt to come to F3. I'm, I'm not a morning person anymore. You know, when I was teaching, I would get up, especially when when I was running running real competitively, I would get up and run to school every day. I had no trouble doing that. And then I would run practice and I would run home. But after retirement, I I I I just cannot get up in the morning. So I, so if anything, at a minimum, at a minimum, one day a week, Mondays, six o'clock. Okay. It's it's a strictly it's a running true running workout. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Six AM. We 6 meet at Hessfield. I know you love the run at Hessfield. Hessfield's All my right. favorite place. It's to called run. Shake and Bake. Shake and Bake. All right, which comes from Talladega Nights. Yeah. NASCAR yeah, theme yeah, movie. Yeah, I know yeah. you love NASCAR. I do love NASCAR. So Shake and Bake, Running AO, Mondays at six, 6 AM. It's got your name written all over it. I'll have to think about this. All right. Okay. Every yeah. Monday, six o'clock, Hessfield. Come out and join us sometime. Yeah, yeah at the pavilion there. And we generally yeah. won't we won't make you lift any of those coupons. I know you think we're stupid for throwing those cinder block things yeah, the, around. Yeah, the cinder block things, yeah, guys. We, we won't yeah, make if, you do if that. If anybody's still listening to this, the cinder blocks, I I, I just can't wrap my head around. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't really either, but yeah. that's okay. <clears throat> I, yeah, I've got a bad back, so I, I sometimes beg out of the different cinder block exercises. Fortunately, right now, running helps my back, so I'm oh, yeah. doing well with that. Um, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't come in. Yeah, I don't know okay. if you should come or not, because i got another guy that'll be passing me and running faster than me, but that's okay. That's right. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, we don't. I don't. We don't care who's winning. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. The biggest thing is Speak the effort. for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. The guy who's in the six doesn't care as much who's winning. Yeah. <laughs> and and a co- according to Coach Brandt, I can't get any faster. So I'm just going to be happy. Happy. Yeah. And we do hills some days. We run easy some days. We do some interval training some days. days. Yeah. yeah. It's. Yeah. You should come. Okay. Uh, I'll talk to my wife about that. Okay. Yeah. 6 a.m. You're retired. Well, you can, she, you she, can come work out, run, and go home still, and take you, a nap. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that would get her, ha- that she'd be happy because then I would be up. Yeah. Because she gets upset that I sleep in. I sleep in. I don't yeah. set an alarm anymore. And we can sign like a slip of paper or something to that I was there to testify that you were there and that yeah. you deserve a nap and yeah, that yeah. she should be easy on you for the honey do list. That day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can get that, and um, I can guarantee you at least the first time you come a free breakfast afterwards at Perkins if you're interested. Oh, there you there go. You go. Well, I, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. I'll have to think about it. Okay. Yes, yeah, right. so we will but, bribe but, people to come yeah, to F three. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is called an ambush, by the way. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, dial up. You have any other questions for Coach? No, no. Well, you know what? Yes, I do have one that I had had jotted down that I wanted to ask you, and it's going to kind of circle back to the to the the coaching aspect of things. So, if we can go back there just for a little bit, I did want to hear your thoughts on uh, obviously over your coaching career, um, the not the culture, but uh, I, I guess society has changed a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, the kids that you're, that you've coached, you know, over these four, four decades, right. You know, kids, uh, let's be honest, you know, there's a lot more kids that are coming to you from, you know, from broken homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, parents have divorced for one reason or another, uh, probably a a much higher percentage of kids that, um, you know, have the absence of a, of a father Mm -hmm. or maybe an absence of a, of a mother in their life. And so I'm just curious, like what, what you've seen, change over time with the kids that kids that you're coaching and like the new 
or the different challenges that kind of those changes in the kind of societal norms have brought, whether it be yeah. just, you know, behavior, relationship issues. I, I mean, any, anything. Just, just curious what you've observed over that time. I think kids are much more stressed out about life. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I think when I first started coaching, you, you, you didn't have, they wanted to do well. And they worked hard. And the kids nowadays that come out for cross country and track overall want to work hard and do their best. But they have so many other things that distract them. And they get so confused. Like grades. I had some really good kids over the years. Like Terry O'Rourke, who's now, you know, he's he, he was a freshman the first year I coached. So 78. He was a genius, you know, but I never, he, I, he never seemed to be stressed out about his grades and so forth. Not everybody seems stressed out about their grades. Not everybody, but a lot of them and just things in general. So I think as a coach, you're more of a mentor, you're a listener, you give them more guidance, which I don't mind. But I, Melissa said this already to me. She goes, you know, we spend more time after practice now than we did 25, 30 years ago. And that's not bad. But I think kids need more guidance because I don't, I think life's tougher. I think life's tougher now than when I coached in 78. Hmm. I think I, life's tougher for everybody. I had everybody. that same experience the, the first year I coached the high school team. I don't remember how it came up. I have these nine core principles that I would use with my team's. And at the end of each practice, I would go over one of the core principles. I usually have some kind of story to illustrate it. It's interesting. The girls I coached didn't really care as much about the stories. The boys loved it, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Dial-Up used to help me coach this soccer team, the boys uh, club they, team I coached. They, they just boys ate, just wanted to hear these stories all the time. The girls up. could care less. But I did it anyway. And at the end of this one practice, we were talking about it. And this is a varsity team, about 30 girls. And um, I don't remember what clued me in, but... I said, are you all like feeling a lot of anxiety? And every one of them just start pouring, just yes. Mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. like they've, I said, what are you so anxious about? Yeah. You're in high school. Some of you are freshmen, yeah. right? When I was a freshman, my only concern was when's the, you know, does that girl like me or not? And yeah. when's my next basketball game? Yeah. And uh, they're, they're saying things like that. Like, I got yeah. to go to college. I might be yeah, homeless. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, are you yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, right. I don't know where it came from. I guess social media plays a role in that, maybe a very big role. I don't know. But I noticed the same exact thing, the amount of angst that these but, young people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just can't believe how wound up they're about their grade point average. Yeah. And, and, and like college boards, I took my college boards one time, you know, and I knew I could get into Bloom and Lock Haven. You didn't even need to have college boards exam. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm saying it's like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. But we now study for them, and we take them three, four, five times. Right. And we got to get this score. And yeah. And I didn't even know Bloomsburg was not as good a college as some other college. I just, it looks like a good school. All that mattered is you had a degree at the yeah, end of the right. thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think we in society has made it so important yeah. to be doing the right, you know, to doing the the things that look impressive. Right. You know. And I, I think, again, I think sports sometimes go that way. And that's where, again, I, the intrinsic motivational thing so much better. I don't, 
think all the other extra things that sometimes we give kids for being in athletics is needed. If anything, maybe it's detrimental. I don't know. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So I, I think it's harder to be a, 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 a student, a student athlete now than, than before. And they have so many other things drawing, drawing them away, you know? Yeah. And again, I don't want to put everything on social media because it isn't just social media. It's, it's the whole ball wax that our society has. Yeah. And, and these are the, this is, these are the generations that grew up knowing nothing but the war on terror from 9-11. Yeah, 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 yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not here to solve all the social problems, but you know, when you talk about college boards, just to give a, a contrast, when I took my college boards, so I graduated from high school in 1984, I took them early because I could, you know, you could take them multiple yeah, times. Yeah. I took them once. I did okay. I don't remember what my score was, but I took them a second time. I didn't prepare for it at all. In fact, and I'm not, I'm not uh, endorsing this, but I went out the night before and partied till about three in the morning, woke up a few hours later, drank two beers on the way to the college board exam, and I, and I got a score big enough that King's College was, was gonna, would offer me their presidential scholarship. I didn't get it because my GPA wasn't high enough. <laughs> and they were kind enough to send me a letter in the mail that my father opened to say that, oh, you congratulations, your SATs were high enough to get the presidential scholarship, the highest scholarship you can get, but your GPA isn't high enough, so you get nothing. So that they were kind enough to send that letter home. But anyway, yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't, we had no, we don't have the, we didn't have this kind of anxiety. No, 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 no. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I think I'm not sure why this all took place, you yeah. know, but Crazy. We, we make things, we make things that shouldn't be that important, way too important, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's probably very helpful to have your wife there, at least for me. Oh I, yeah. Melissa's, I'm not always clued into what's yeah, going well, on. Well, Melissa's real good. Because there's times she says, you need to talk to this girl or right. we need to to let this girl go home or this or that, you right. know. Yeah. And and she's a good sounding board. And also there's times I can remember there were some athletes where I thought they shouldn't run because I thought they were, you know, they were coming off of injury. Melissa said, no, they, they need to run. They need to have this race, you know. Yeah. So it's good to have – it's good to have somebody – as an assistant coach, as an, as a person you can confide in, because mm-hmm. you try to do it all by yourself is hard, yeah. but you need to be on the same page. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I told you this interview is going to take a while because now, yeah. now he made me think of the one other thing that I did want to ask him about or comment on if the discussion went that way. And so since it kind of just went that way, I know one thing that I've always admired about, about you as a coach is despite all the accolades, despite all the state championships and district championships and wins, um, is your 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 humbleness and your willingness to still look to others for advice. You know, a lot of coaches with that kind of record could be just like, I know what I'm doing. I don't need any help. I'm doing it the right way. Um, my record speaks for itself. But yet you you are one that still look to others for input. Well, um, because I'm still not sure if I'm doing it right. <laughs> I'm still thinking, can can I finally do this right this year? Yeah, if you're not willing to keep learning yeah. as a coach, as a person, you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So I want to have my wife there to help. And now I have Dawes Dunham. That's the, the minister at your church, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's an all right guy. Yeah, he's an all right guy. <laughs> and, and Gary Weddy. Yeah. And, and, and you, I even talked to, I yeah. think at times, and I think another important thing is to get input from the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
you know, when I do a workout, I let them know ahead of time, hey, there's what we're doing. What do you think to a degree? Now, I'm not going to change the whole thing around, but I'm flexible enough if they think it maybe is too less, too little, we might do more. Or if they think, well, we could do this, you know, I'm, I'm willing to look into it, Yeah. you know. So I have a game plan, but it's not in stone. Right. You know, God didn't come down and say, hey, here's the 10, 10 things we need to do today. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. Core value number eight of my nine core values be is be a constant learner. learner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not a, a learner. It, it, again, if you think you have all, if you have all the right answers, did you I, remember that? I didn't remember that it was core value eight, but okay. I knew that it was one of our core values. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's has. I can never remember the sequ- my, my my memory sucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you, you you need to be a lifelong learner. Yeah, yeah. If that's the nice thing about working with people. Oh yeah, because you're always learning. Yeah, and if you're not willing to learn from people, and you can learn from everybody, I've learned a lot from my grandchild. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, yeah. And and she is smart. Yeah. But she shows me things that I don't see clearly. Right. How to use an iPhone. How to use it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, uh, that's great stuff. Um, I uh, I, had, I I don't know if, if I told you this dial up, but I, I, I told Coach Brandt that uh, he needs to write a book. He should write a book. Even if it never gets published, it's it's a really cool exercise for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I e- say, even if it's just sorry, I, I'm interrupting. So even if it's just a history or the legacy of Danville cross country, my, my high school coach just published a, a book. Uh, shout out to Terry Glunt. And his book is called The Ninja Run because uh, the cross country team, we always refer to ourselves as, as the ninjas. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can give you the whole history later. But anyway, he just he just wrote a book of his history of coaching, coaching the program from 1990 until he just retired like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. You could you could do the same, but I think not just giving kind of the history of the program. I, th- I think you've got a lot that you could contribute as far as you know those lessons and philosophies and, and techniques that that we've talked about here tonight. I think a lot of other coaches could really uh, gain value in, in reading that. So I have one more thing, okay, for you. And this uh, I'm going to catch you a little off guard, maybe, but uh, you've been coaching a long time, been teaching a long time. Your man has grown up uh, in this country in the culture. Um, and uh, my question to you is, if you were to talk to the men of America right now, what advice would you have? What would you tell the guys in America about anything? About, yeah. you know, what's, what's your advice? I, I think it's really important that as, as human beings, but especially as, as men, that we are kind to each other to the people that we work with, definitely to our wives. I think sometimes we try to be too macho. Mm. I, I think kindness is so, so important. I think we've lost that. You know, I, I, I and I, I think, you know, I look at my own dad. Now, he wasn't real affectionate because he grew up, he was a World War II vet, but he was always kind. And then, as, of course, as he got much older, he became much more affectionate. But he, I always felt he was kind. I think kindness is huge. I think as a coach, as a teacher, if you aren't kind, you know, you know, I, I hope kids remember me that I was a kind person. 
It didn't mean I wasn't a disciplinarian, especially in the classroom. We had a job to do. We had to learn math. But I, I, I was kind. I kept a sense of humor with that kindness. Don't take yourself too seriously. If you take yourself too seriously, you, you can't be kind and you can't be effective at all. You know, so yeah. yeah, I think that would be the best thing. Kindness, kindness. It's a good note to end on. Huh? And that's I the totally other, agree. fruit of a spirit. Amen. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, America, you heard it here, man. Uh, this is another high impact man that uh, has been able to tell his story today, and I hope you listened and I hope you were blessed by it. We certainly were. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.